We thank you, Lord, for your word this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would turn, the, that we would be more than, than listeners to your word, but would be hearers, that we would hear the things Trust you are you saying Lord. to us, yeah. that they would be power and life and fire to us. And we ask you to bless Pete as he, as he shares with us. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Comrade Sunday, I know that for some of you that was maybe a little difficult to get around. It's easy and toty, right? Nobody's coming through here. I know several of the churches around the city have to shut down because of comrades, but not you. Uh, but it is always wonderful to be here. I um, yeah, I just happened to have an open Sunday. We were chatting about kind of doing this. I just come back from, from New Zealand and uh, bring greetings from Ross and Marie for those of you who know them planting a church or have planted already a church in in wellington called north base church and just spending a week with them uh, was a, a wonderful thing and then i am off together with tim tim and i are traveling to maputo this next weekend just to spend some time together ministering in our church in maputo uh, and it's it's a wonderful community I haven't been with them for whatever two and a half odd years because of COVID. And so it's, it's good to be back on the road again, and we're traveling up on Friday morning uh, to be part of um, ministering to them over the weekend. So it's great to be here, though. And I must just say, listening to a great preach from Charlotte last week, I don't often listen to the preachers of local churches, but I've been here a few times uh, in the course of this year, which is a little unusual. Uh, normally, that just applies to Hillcrest up the road. I'm there about five times a year. And so I get a chance really to get a sense of what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church and come and deliver that to you. And, and I feel that I've done that on two occasions this year already. So now I'm just thinking, okay, so now what? <laughs> you know, what has God wanted to say as like a third installment to anything? And so I thought, now I better listen to what's happening in the local church. And I was listening to Charlotte uh, on her online preach, and it messed with me. I had a whole plan, and I had to throw it away. I had to toss it. Uh, thanks very much, Olive. Uh, I had to toss it and, and start again and, and really finish something uh, early this morning, which is why there's no scriptures, there's no title on the thing behind me at all. I literally just put the finishing touches to it this morning as I was praying uh, for you. But it is always a great privilege uh, to be here. And I trust that the Holy Spirit is going to take these thoughts and ideas around the presence of God, which I think applies to what was ministered last week. Um, you see, a particular thing that the Lord is emphasizing for me at the moment, <coughs> excuse me, is that we would all have a transcendent view of God, a large view of God. A, 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 and, and, and that's the reason why God's been calling me to speak about who God is, how great He is, how sovereign, how incredibly awesome He is, because if we don't get a great view of God, we don't really get a chance to anchor our lives into anything. And we sit in the shifting sand of the moral issues of the day and the struggles of economies and issues that are going on around us. We must anchor into who He is. And so in the context of that, having spoken about the sovereignty of God last time, I really want to speak about the, the presence of God or God being present everywhere. Uh, the, the good theological term would be the omnipresence of God. Uh, being present everywhere. And I want to pick out the text that Charlotte also mentioned last week, which is Psalm 139. I'm going to pick uh, possibly something she went through as well, but I'm going to pick an element of it I don't think she read on Sunday. And it is Psalm 139, verse 7. And 
And you could jot the scriptures down if you want, because they're not on the screens, and you're going to have to trust me that I'm reading the scripture. So it's in front of me, right? And you can check me out if you want. It's in the English Standard Version. It says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down into the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me uh, would become, to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as the day and darkness and light are the same to you. Oh, there's so much theological stuff one could unpack there. Just around God being everywhere. You know, darkness is the same as light. And there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. Themes theologically that really, I think, could blow our minds a little. But note that God is everywhere present at the same time. There is nothing hidden from his view. There is no place that you can go and hide from him. You may think you're hiding. You may think you're doing stuff in secret. But nothing is done in secret. Everything is open to him. And I think that's important. There's no little part of the universe ruled by the devil. There's no little space around the earth and the globe that the devil has been cast down to according to Isaiah and that somehow the enemy rules here. Every part is absolutely and completely and utterly controlled and God is absolutely in charge of everything. The fact that there is a, an allowance for something of evil, of struggle, I mentioned that in my last preach here. But that is because God himself has decided to save you and I. God himself has decided to call a people out of the earth. But there is no part. I want to go so far as to say that even hell is hell only because of the presence of God. Presence. In other words, God is not there because it's hell. So because God is not present, that becomes hell. I want to suggest to you, hell is hell because of the presence of God. That God's anger burning against your sin forever and ever and ever, destroying you little by little. Sin, that's what sin does. And God's anger and judgment against it continuing on forever. That's hell. It's his presence that causes hell to be hell. And it's his presence that causes heaven to be heaven. There is no little part of the world out there that God does not rule in. And somehow the devil, that's where the devil rules over there. There is no part, there is no thing in the universe, no space that God does not indwell. Uh, that may be a little controversial. You may need to think about that. But theologically, if you work it through, you will understand that I'm right. <laughs> if you work it through. Because logically, if God was not present in a place, he would not be God. He's present everywhere, all at the same time, everywhere. That's what makes him God. And every part of the plan and the purposes of God are worked out because of his presence. Because he is present, anger brings against sin. Because he is present, life with God becomes what it potentially can be. It's because of his presence, not the absence of it. That's the idea that I want you to carry in your head. So we come into churches like this, and we use words like, let's come into the presence of the Lord. Have you heard that? Uh, you know, God, God, let your presence come. You heard that kind of expression when we say it from pulpits? Now, I know what we mean, but it is theologically incorrect. Where do we get it from, basically, those ideas? Well, we really get it from 
an Old Testament concept, concept about the temple. We come into the temple. God's presence was manifest in the temple. So a lot of the Psalms speak about coming to the presence of God or coming into His presence. You'll see the come to His presence with thanksgiving. You know, the scriptures in the Old Testament speak about coming into His presence. And we've absorbed those ideas as if God somehow lives more in church meetings than He lives at home. So we now, we put on our best stuff. We do our thing. And if you're in a more formal church, you put a tie on. I preached in a Baptist church a couple of weeks ago in Makaraga Baptist Church in Wellington. And, 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 and you know, I put, it, I put a jacket on for them. Because I, I figured, you know, I've got to try and bridge the gap a little. <laughs> and so, so we put on our best and we think, well, no, now... We, you know, we must put our best. The fact that I kicked the dog and I was unhappy and stuff's falling apart, that doesn't matter. I'm coming to church now. God's here. He was no more here than he is at home in front of the sink. He's present in front of the sink as much as he's present here. He's, he's as present in front of you sitting and watching the rugby yesterday that the spring box lost. But let me just add... I'm a big Liverpool supporter. Nine nil. Jeez. <laughs> so that lifted my day. <laughs> but he says, present in front of that box, that, it's not a box anymore, that screen, that you sit in front of, as present there as he is here. There is no diff- there's no place that you can escape, the scripture says, from his presence. You go into darkness, he's there. You go into light, he's there. Everywhere he is present. So the deal is this. What changes is the manifestation of His presence. Something changes for us. What we feel, what we sense in a moment, is how God manifests to us. So I have uh, titled this message, this morning I titled it, so that's not even on the screen. In fact, there's nothing on the screen. Thank you. I titled it, Gardens, Groups, and Glory. And you'll understand why in a moment. But the story of men begin in the garden. And uh, it's a beautiful story. It starts, the first couple of chapters of the book of Genesis is a poem. It's a creation poem written probably under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by Moses. And he writes this incredible Hebrew poem about God, how God begins the whole deal. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. But the idea is that the story begins in a garden where God walks with man. Right? I, I, I come back to that idea when I think about the revelation of God's presence. I come back to the idea of a garden. Genesis 3, 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid Because I was naked and I hid myself. You see, sin produces a need for hiding because we see our own state. So we think it's better to hide. Not understanding anything about the presence of God. Not understanding anything about the fact that God is present with us. So we hide. But why is the garden important in understanding His presence? Because grace uncovers us so that we, we again see our need for the garden of walking with God. 
It, 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 it strips away our own effort to cover ourselves up and to make things, oh, well, I, no, I got it together. No, you don't have it together. Grace comes and says you have absolute and complete need of God. And when you understand that need, you know, the, the, the grace preachers teach about it as, as the tea and tulip, which is total depravity of man. We understand our total need and our total depravity. There is nothing good in me that drew God's attention one day. And he thought, oh, I've got to save him. He's just such a good person. There is nothing good in me. Even my goodness is abhorrent. Even my goodness does not work to my benefit. Everything about my nature speaks sin and shouts sin at heaven, puts a fist up in the hand in the face of God. So instead, what I need to do is live through the one, Jesus Christ, the man, God, who died upon the cross so that his grace can work through me. And it covers my sin. He does, not me. I'm not trying to hide my sin and my struggles. He covers my sin. And when I see that, when I see my nakedness, my need for his grace, the garden becomes open to me again. A total dependence upon him, upon his grace, comes in the uncovering of the garden. I, I, I know it's, it's hard to believe, but some people don't like me. <laughs> What's not to like? That's what I'm thinking. But some people don't like me. And, and I think it's probably because I'm big, I'm overwhelming, I have answers to most things before people ask. I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's just me. Now, that's a problem. And it needs help. And I'm saying it's their problem, it's my problem. I need help. And part of the journey of my life is the uncovering of Peter and walking in the garden with God who says, Pete, that's not good enough. It's not that people can dislike me. Absolutely people can. I mean, it's a wonder why, but people can. They can dislike me. But the reality is some of that stuff in me, God wants to cover with his grace. So he says, Peter, come walk with me in the garden. Come, let's have a talk about that stuff. Because all that need to answer every question, to be, you know, to have, even before people finish talking, I want to say something. And it's not a good thing. I need to shut up a little more. And only in the garden do I get to walk with him. And he uncovers me. And he says, Pete, let's talk about that. Let me help you. Let's adjust. Let's change. Now, I'm not saying I got that right. I'm still walking in the garden. And you and I need to keep walking in the garden and allow God to adjust us, his presence, to speak to us. The problem is many people have lost the God themselves. They're still trying to keep their life right and together. I said, oh, my life is not together. I'm unwrapped by him. I, I'm totally depressed. There's nothing good in me. I may as well go walk in the garden and let him cover me. Let him speak to me about my struggles and my issues and my stuff. Let me have it out with God. I remember one moment I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of a stage. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sitting on the edge of a stage in a church down the road from us. And uh, they'd finished their building about a year and a half, two years before ours. 
And I'm sitting on the edge and I'm celebrating the fact that they finished their building and I'm looking around and saying, oh, it's very nice, lovely. The only thing that's in my heart is, why did they have to finish before us? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the only thing that was in me. Why did they have to finish before us? I was irritated. Irritated. Surely we could have done our building earlier. Got finished before them. And I'm sitting here, I cannot rejoice in someone finishing before me. That's a problem. Now I'm saying some of us, we need help from God to deal with some of those problems. I had to put a flag into my inner life and say, come Jesus, we need to go walk in the garden. Because this is not the kind of stuff that I want to come out of me. This is not the kind of way I want to live. Come walk with me. Come, let's walk in the cool of the day. Let's talk a little bit about some of these weird things that are coming out of me. Let's adjust them and change them because his presence does that to us. You ought to have a place where you can go. And I'm talking the metaphorical garden. Maybe you're not garden people. Maybe you're like me. You need a coffee shop and a coffee. That's my garden. But whatever your garden is, when you walk with him, when you have conversations about your life, if you're constantly hiding from him and you've got no time for the garden, I want to say to you, you've got no time for the presence of God. You've got no time for this expression that started in a garden here and unlocked the potential of us walking with heaven, us walking in his presence every day. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5 says these words, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Something has to break in us when we see Him and see our own condition. We realize when we see Him, oh, I have great need of Him. I have great need of His adjustment. I have great need of walking in the garden again. I must walk with Him. Because man... I have struggles in my life. I have issues that need to be dealt with. And I've walked with Jesus. I've been in ministry for 39 years of my life. More, in fact. Ah, it's a long time, whatever it is. 41. 41 years of my life. And God wants to bring adjustments in the garden every day. Every day I'm walking with St. Pete. Let's talk about that. Karen and I was sitting on the couch yesterday. She's not here because she's got a little, I'd left her in bed. She needs to get over a bit of a virus. Anyway, so she's, so we were sitting on the couch yesterday. I made her coffee. We're sitting on the couch and, and the coffee cup is sitting. She's put it on the couch. I don't know why. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting, she's sitting and she stands up and the coffee goes Boo! on our fairly new couch. A whole cup goes over the top. Instead of doing the right thing, which is jump, run to the kitchen, grab a cloth. I said, oh no, the couch, right? She's off. I said, hurry up. <laughs> it's going into the couch. I'm still sitting. What's the, what's the, what's the matter with us? Men. What's, what's wrong with us? <coughs> well, you know, yeah, let's, what's, what's wrong with us? 
my, my point is simply this. I need more time in the garden. <laughs> I do. I said to her later, I said, sweetheart, that's not the right response. I don't know why I didn't jump. Why I just had to sit and shout something. <laughs> Can you see? Yeah. Instead, we want to cover ourselves. So you're the one who made the mistake. Not me. That's covering. But in the garden, we need to uncover. We need to recognize our need for him. We need to go walk with him. Can you see what's, what's important in understanding the presence of God? Seeing our state and not being ashamed is key to walking in the garden. So in the garden, he is with me. He is in me, it says in the scripture. Romans eight eleven. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He is in me. I don't escape him. He's in me. Where I move, he moves. Where I go, he goes. He's in me. I need you to see it. But God's presence manifests in more than just in me. He's also here with us. You see, Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So more than in, now it's among, with us. Two or three gathered in his name. So it isn't just in us, he's also with us. You see, here, this is what faith is about. We may not always feel his presence, but he is here because he promised it. There is a manifestation of his presence um, with us when we are together, two or three together, because that's what he promises in the scripture. That's the promise. Matthew 18, 19, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, if two of you, two or three get together in a group because God is present and he promises it, when you agree together, there is power in that agreement. It gives life to something. It's the power of a marriage. It's the power of a life group. It's the power of a praying partner that you pray with on a regular basis. There's power in that idea because where two or three gather together, he is there. He's not just in me. Now he manifests with our group. He's here. More than here. He's here with us. That's the idea. So if God is in us, God is potentially with us. Now let me, I'll take you, ma'am. I'll take Tim. Robert, come. Uh... Let me take one more person. Come. Sir. Come over here. Stand with me. So, just come closer. Yeah, we can okay. Sorry about the camera again. Uh, you stand right with me. It's good. So, you understand, when I'm on my own, walking around, doing my life, God is in me. It's a promise in the scriptures. He is here. But when a couple of us get together, over here, and we are in a life group together, we're connecting with one another. God is not, God is here, God is here, and God is here with us, but He's more than in me, He can get exercised here. Things can move here, because this is what He promises in the scripture that when we agree together, stuff begins to happen. But, so come, now I'm calling in my, my other mates. 
So here we are in church on Sunday morning. And it's a group. And this represents a larger group, more than two or three. Let's call it a few hundred. And, and here we are together. And we are got a couple of songs. Whether they do well or not, by the way, has no bearing upon what's going on here. It's got a bearing upon what we are like. What's going on with us. So when we are together, the Spirit of God is in each person. The Bible says He is with us. Now, when we're together, he potentially, the scripture speaks about, he can be upon us. So an, another manifestation of the Spirit of God. So more than in, more than with, upon. Uh, thank you. That's all the demonstration I needed for the sake of this. Exp- I, may, I may ask you to come up again in a moment. But all together in one place, and an explosion becomes possible. Life can break out upon us. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And what happens is, is tongues of flames settle upon everyone in the room. Something happens more than just hanging out and agreeing. We agree. This is what's going on. No, more than agreeing, the Spirit of God comes upon this crowd of people. Now, people united in one place with a motive to glorify God, the environment can become explosive. I've experienced such moments in my life, very special moments. I remember worshiping with a prophetic man, uh, with a group of people, and suddenly the whole place went quiet. It's like somebody sucked the oxygen out of the room. Chop stop. And we were a noisy bunch. A couple of birds we had. We were a noisy bunch. Suddenly it was quiet in the room. And you felt the presence of God. Just no sound, nothing. I remember dropping down onto my knees between the chairs. And, and next thing, I, I don't know how long later, it was quiet, not a word. I popped my head over like the chair seat. I'm looking up. Just now I get bombed. <laughs> I pop my head up over the chair and I look up and I realize there's not a single person in the room. Up. Everybody's down. In the whole room. There's no person standing there thinking. No. Everybody's out, down. Some people are out in the Holy Spirit. They're just like, down and God's doing stuff with them and I'm on my knees just I I don't know how long the life of God in this moment just manifests in the room I remember an NCMI equip in Blum maybe Tim was there and suddenly in the middle I'm standing on the front row of the bleachers so I'm down at the front row in front of me is kind of the the, the middle seats which are on the ground and I'm standing in the front row and suddenly in in the middle of the building over there like where the fan is over there, in the middle of the building, singing breaks out. I, I, I don't think there was anyone singing in the room. Suddenly, it's like heaven, heaven wanted to join in with what was going on in the room. And singing breaks out in the middle of the room. Everybody just begins to whoa, explode out in worship. We begin to sing in the spirit. We've got four, four and a half thousand people singing. But it didn't start with anyone in the room. It began, 
That's the only way I can describe it. It began like in the middle. It's a thing. God's spirit upon a bunch of people. It's a, it's a thing. I remember standing uh, next to a blind man. And I've shared the story before. I'm standing next to a blind man. He's two people away from me. I know he's blind because he was laying in on the arm of someone with one of those sticks. Next thing, we're worshiping the Lord. Nobody's touched him. Nobody's prayed for him. He just, he bolts out. Cheers. He's on the second. We're on third row, I think. Third row back. I'm standing two people away from him. Cheers to start flying. I think, what's going on? This guy, the blind guy, is running. Running. He runs through the chairs in front of him. He runs into the front and he starts running around the building. He says, I can see! He's screaming around the room. (laughs) Now, if you're a skeptic, you may think, well, who put that up? Well, nobody prayed for him. Why would they not wait for the man of God to lay his hands on him? Well, then somebody could lay claim, say, you know, hey, I got the anointing to, to heal blind people. No, this is just worship, just singing. And God just heals him like that. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I remember clearly the night. I, that morning I'd committed my, or recommitted my life to Jesus. And, and I walk into this meeting at night. And I'm a bit disappointed because I'm not speaking in tongues. And I want to. I just want to speak in tongues, and I'm not, and I don't really understand how it all works. And, and so I'm sitting on the side. I go into a room, so I'm outside praying with a maid of mine. I come into this room, and pandemonium has broken out in the room. Pandemonium. Everywhere people are lying, laughing, running, singing in the spirit, shouting. It just, just the life of, while I was outside praying for something to happen, God just came upon this bunch of people and I came in and very quickly that stuff that happened in the room on everybody happened on me and I remember that night I, I remember we walked out to a bunch of of in the middle this is like 12 30 at night a bunch of young people so we think of we we need to we need to reach some people there was nobody to reach at 12 30 at night other than irritate them so we walk over see that there's old uh, uh, trucks a whole row of trucks parked to tank up with ammonium for the farms. So they're sitting there in a whole row of them, about 20 trucks. We begin with the first one. We knock on the window, wake him up. And, and I remember, we, we didn't even make sense. I started speaking in tongues to the guy. It's just, I, I'd, I'd forgotten how to speak my own language. I, just, I started talking in tongues to him. It may seem weird to you, but God just does stuff, breaks out upon a people. I was in Hillcrest a few weeks ago and was busy making an altar call, just as I normally do. But it's weird that I do, you know, open your eyes, look around, don't hide, come now. So one person walks and another person walks and we've got a two or three people standing up. I say hello to them, greet them. Suddenly, the life of God breaks out over the room. Suddenly the Spirit of God manifests in the place. People start weeping all over the place. I'm I'm privy to it. I can see them crying in the room. People are crying all over the room. People just start pouring forward, giving their lives to Christ. I remember a young man, he turns up to his dad. He says, Dad, today I need to give my life to Jesus. Suddenly people were doing that all over the room. They start pouring. Their families come. People come. I don't know how many came. Lots came that day. Just because the Spirit of God manifested 
upon us. Can you see it? Why am I sharing all the stories with you? Actually, because I want an expectation that it can happen here. I want to say to you that we cannot, we cannot make God do anything. Because God is with me. God is in me. God is amongst us. And God can be upon us. So can we control that? Well, not really. We can just be united together in one place. And when our hearts are for one another, when our hearts for glorifying Jesus, when something, then suddenly something goes on. The Spirit of God comes upon us and things change in the room. Our lives change. Is that possible? Do you want to hold out for that? Do you want to believe for it? Is it something that can happen every Sunday? Maybe not, but it should happen. Surely, we should believe for it. It doesn't matter what happens here on stage. It doesn't matter what songs are sung. But that our hearts are open together in one place. Second Chronicles, last scripture, chapter 5 and verse 13. <coughs> Excuse me. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison, in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. That was the song. For he is good, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. They just made up a song. That's what they were singing. The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. So that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Don't worry about the purity of the church. Or sin in the camp. I get all these strange things people say about church. Do you know, I saw three people smoke last Sunday. You know, weird stuff that people think. I, I you know, I... I was driving by and I, you know, Bob's car was in front of the pub and I think he's drinking again. What's that to you? Just worship and let his glory sort out the rest. Because when we're in his glory, when we walk in the garden, when we allow the spirit of God to be with us and upon us, let me tell you, God sorts out the stuff of our lives. He doesn't just let me kind of Get away with my, this is, you know, we, we're good at slapping us on all and all. We tell people what to do. We're good at telling people what to do. You must. You know, in America, I kept keep saying, first of all, I want to apologize to you. I'm going to tell you that you must do something many times through this preach. Please don't listen to me. When I say you must, it's a suggestion. <laughs> it's a South Africanism that we have. We tell people they must do. I must? No, relax, it's just. See, we do this. We have these things in us. We have this stuff. And we ought to have moments in the garden. We ought to walk with him so he can store out our stuff. Don't worry about the purity of the church. Don't worry about the sin and the struggles, even in your own life. Just submit yourself to the presence of God. Allow him to wash 
in and through you. Allow him to come into agreement with you, to see some of this stuff broken, some of the things that have held you captive for years and years and years that you actually need deliverance for. You need demons cast out of you. So, well, Jesus, I'm a Christian. Jesus only ever cast demons out of the people of God, not unbelievers. Whatever your theology may be, you still belong to him. You belong to God. Absolutely you do. But that doesn't mean there can't be squatters on your land. The land belongs to heaven. But the squatters get onto your land. Throw them off. Throw them off the land. Get rid of it. Right? And allow God to free you. That was the end of my preach. My iPad turns off when I'm done. (laughs) He's in you. He's with us. He can be upon us. And I want to tell you, when a church that walks with the Spirit of God upon them, while we don't know upon, while we don't experience upon, we live with God among us. Faith. He can do anything. He He who said he would do this. He can do this because we have God among us. We have faith in our hearts for what he said he can accomplish. But we're trusting that there can be a manifestation of his presence right here, right now, upon us. Would you stand up as we end? And I want to hand over to Colin in a minute. Just be quiet for a moment. Look to your own garden. Look to your own place. Wherever that garden is, wherever it is, you need to be quiet. Maybe it's a literal garden. Maybe you walk at the bottom of the garden. Just walk around a bit. Let God speak to you. Maybe the garden is a place that you hit before work on a Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning. You have a time in the garden. to speak to you, adjust you, change you, mold you. And then being part of a a group and a connect group or life group or in this church, we, we get to agree with one another that we can be free, that we can live in the life of God, that we can see the demonstration of his power and work in us. That's why we need to belong. And then upon us, I'm sorry to say, but, but if people are in their pajamas at home sitting on a couch and you could be in church, you should be in church. Because the upon, the Spirit of God, united in one place, with one heart, God's Spirit can do something in our midst. I want that. I've been in those meetings. I want to see that again. I want to see that upon you. I want to trust that that happens right here in this place. That God breaks in on us, breaks in on our worship, breaks in on our singing, breaks in on our preaching, and just does something supernatural in our midst. And so, Father, right now, heal people in this room. Restore people in this room. There's faith in this room right now. Right now, we're believing. Your presence is here. Heal and restore people. Free people right now. There's some of those sins and struggles that people are standing with in this room. Break it off them now. In Jesus' name. Do deliverance in people's lives now. Get some of those squatters off their land. 
that are destroying their life. Maybe it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dependence upon something, a drug, a, 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 a alcohol, or something they got dependent on. Now break it in Jesus' name. Break it off them. In the presence of God, we're standing. And you break the power of those things. Now in Jesus' name. Thank you for freedom for your people. Freedom for your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.